Hello everybody, welcome to Roleplay Chat. I'm Matt, a game master who can't stop talking about role-playing games. Today we have a wonderful episode for you about mysteries, running mysteries, playing mysteries, and writing mysteries in a tabletop role-playing game. I'm really looking forward to sharing the conversation with you, but before we do that, I had a few little housekeeping announcements to, uh, some news, I suppose, to share with everybody. So the first piece of news, I wrote another review. This one, this time, this review is about the Blades in the Dark system. It's a really fun system, especially if you're into heists and uh, burglarizing and that kind of stuff. If you like playing rogues or you want to play a group of scoundrels, I definitely recommend checking it out. The review is fully written out on RPGmatch.com. So once again, it's the same place where my other review is. It hasn't been published quite yet, but it's going to be coming out you know, any day now. So I want to encourage you to go check it out. If you've been on the fence and you're curious about the Blades in the Dark role-playing game, this might be uh, the information you need to decide whether or not you pick it up. Uh, with that said, I also wanted to give everybody a quick heads up. Some friends of the show, Jess and Keith from Underground Oracle Publishing, have a Kickstarter going on right now. It's a Halloween-themed uh, adventure module. There's all kinds of things there for you to pick up, to run horror in your D&D games. It's perfect timing for Halloween. So yeah, go check out Underground Oracle. Look them up on Kickstarter and find their Kickstarter there. So the Kickstarter is called the Under the Harvest Moon Supplement. It's a fantastic supplement with lore, archetypes, creatures, and all kinds of things to haunt your Dungeons & Dragons worlds. Uh, this is not a paid advertisement, it's just Keith and Jess are two friends of mine, and I wanted to help spread the word, so please go check it out, go look up their Kickstarter under the Harvest Moons. And with that being said, let's get into the conversation with Jess. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Roleplay Chat. I am here with a wonderful guest that I am absolutely thrilled to announce to you. They are a member of the Fang Gang podcast, a vampire the masquerade actual play. They are a Twitch affiliate and do very many charity streams that you should all be checking out. Personally, I think the most impressive is that they are an RPG game designer with a number of Dungeons and Dragons adventures under their belt. Please welcome me in joining Jess. Jess, why don't you say hello to the listeners? Hello to the listeners. <laughs> How are we? This is so exciting. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm, I'm really glad to have you here. I'm excited to talk about mysteries. This is perfect timing for like spooky, scary season. I feel like mysteries and Halloween kind of go hand in hand, or at least they do for me. Uh, 100%. Uh, Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, before we before we get into the the meat and potatoes of the conversation, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Let them know a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your projects, and I'd like to know your tabletop RPG origin story. 
how did Jess get into tabletop RPGs? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I guess we'll start at the top. Um, I go by Jess the Human on the internet. That is where you can find me at most places. It's Jess with one S. Um, like Matt said, um, I'm a member of the Fang Gang podcast, um, or Vampire the Masquerade podcast that you can find on most listening platforms. We've got lots of dancing, debauchery, inner turmoil. Um, it's not all, you know, doom and gloom. Uh, <laughs> us players try to sneak in some fun every now and then again. That's your job, right? As the player right? to like yeah. mess around with the game master and have exactly. some fun. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, he threatens to kill us. We threaten him that we're going to have a good time. It's give and take <laughs> um, in every relationship. But like Matt said, I also do monthly charity streams. Um, I'm actually most recently after we get done recording, we'll have done 10 Candles, um, which was my first time playing this. We just finished a game this past Friday and we have another one coming up this week. And I've actually never experienced character death before. So I'm a little nervous. And other than that... Gosh, I do a wide variety of things, but I guess I'm going to talk about some of my murder mysteries that I wrote. Um, cool. Really yeah, excited to, to be here on that. Um, you can find me on the DMs Guild under Jess Wade. Again, it's J-E-S. My best performing one is Murder in Moss Bank. It is a platinum bestseller. Um, it was actually featured in Dragon Plus magazine in their 37th so. issue. Um, that was kind of neat. Congrats. Uh, that's great. Thank you. Clap, I was clap, like, clap. are you sure that you're contacting the right person? <laughs> 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 are you sure you want me on the line? Um, so that was really neat. I, I enjoy a good murder mystery and I enjoy puns, which Ooh. is evident in most of my work. Cool, cool. Well, I really look forward to to hearing as we talk about mysteries and like any advice you have and things like that, feel free to bring in examples, you know, in little tidbits without spoiling anything, uh, you know, to, to, to pique people's interest, because I'm, I'm pretty intrigued as well. Uh, and yeah, what about your, sure. your origin story? Where, where did tabletop RPGs, how did they get initiated into your life? Um, yes, absolutely. So I'm going to rewind just real quick. I forgot to mention my pronouns are they, them, theirs. Oh, Obviously, yes. pretty important to me. Absolutely. Um, okay. I remember in the seventh grade, there were these three boys in my science class, I don't know, some class, and they were like all huddled around each other and they would like had these sheets and they were writing things and like giggling. I was like, what are y'all <laughs> doing? And they were like, oh, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. You can be an elf. And I was like, that doesn't, that doesn't vibe with me. I'm gonna go and talk to my other friends. Um, <laughs> fast forward to 2019. Uh, my partner and I like are big board game aficionados and we're like in Target and there's a D&D &D starter set. And I'm like, you know what? I've heard lots of good things about this game. Like, what if we just like gave it a try? Um, and I had a rugby camping trip coming up uh, for the 4th of July weekend. And I bugged a bunch of my teammates that were going on the trip. And I was like, y'all, D&D sounds like a lot of fun. Like, we should do it. And Jackie decided to step up and be our DM. And we literally spent the entire weekend playing D&D. &D. Cool. Um, it was so much fun. The next weekend, I tore my ACL oh, no. <laughs> in a rugby match. And Ugh. all I could do was play D&D &D, um, <laughs> for a long I mean, time. I guess that's the silver lighting in there. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so after that, you know, folks invited me to play other games beyond D&D. And here we are now just talking about TTRPGs. I have not stopped playing since. Awesome. Awesome. You know, it's funny. I feel like stories like that, where, you know, there's a group of people who are un uninitiated, including yourself, there's like this sense of wonder, isn't there? That I, I remember my first time playing too. We were in university and somebody pulls out a player's handbook from their backpack and everybody like huddles around it like moths to a flame. Like, what's that? <gasps> is that D&D? I've always wanted to try that. And then it, and then the rest is history. You know, I, um, all right, cool. So let's talk then about mysteries because those from, from my quick research seem to be the topic of kind of central to most of the adventures that I found anyway on uh, DM's Guild. Is that, is that true? Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. For the most part. Yeah. It's either mysteries that have puns in them or just puns. Embarrassed. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, all right, cool. So then, yeah, mysteries. But uh, let's, let's do the thing we usually do on the podcast first and define what we mean, define our terms. I think the term mystery within itself is pretty straightforward, but... Uh, I'll, I'll throw to you, Jess, what do you think a mystery is in the context of a tabletop role-playing game? Let's see. I, I guess it's, you know, the party gets a quest that they have a lot of questions about, um, a lot of question marks. And then throughout either the one shot or the series of games leading up to the, the conclusion, they're, you know, following clues um, along the way. And then eventually they end at mark or X marks the spot, and mm -hmm. <laughs> they. I mean, they hopefully land there. I've had it where they don't before, which is sometimes satisfying um, as the GM to know that they did go off the rails and completely sideways, and that is their reward, not figuring out what the heck happened. <laughs> um, I don't know if that was the best explanation, but no, that's I, the I, one I, that I've given you. Yeah, I can run with that. I think that's pretty good. Um, and I, I mean, to me, if I can add to that, I think that there's going to be like this central question that the players get asked to solve. Maybe, maybe not directly asked to solve, but like I'm picturing like very Sherlock Holmes type things where, like you said, I feel like they often come in a one shot or a two shot. And, it, you know, the first scene is the party or the players getting the like the quest getting the the mystery delivered to them or have somebody say oh you have to go solve the murder of x y and z and do it fast because something's coming up or i don't know like <laughs> they're so the I, time bomb we yeah, have to get yeah. it solved <laughs> so you, yeah i feel like there's like the central question that the the party tries to resolve um I'm not sure if there's if we need to add more than that. Do you feel like there's there's other elements here? I mean, maybe we can ask what isn't a mystery. Uh, I don't know if that helps in brainstorming this. No, I mean, I think I feel like that's answered. To be honest, I mean, they have their quest. They follow clues. They hopefully solve it if they're not too silly. Yeah, yeah. In the simplest terms. Cool. Awesome. I love it. I love it. All right. So then if that is a, what a mystery is, what makes it a good, like, how do you make a good mystery as, as a player? We, let's start from the player's perspective. 
if you are a player and you have been put in this environment where you have to solve a mystery, do you have any advice or recommendations or strategies that you like to employ that you think other people ought to consider employing when they're kind of face to face with something? Uh, okay, mysterious. And I have my player hat on. Yeah. You're a player. Yeah. You're a player and you get asked to solve the mystery of the t- ticking time bomb. What, what are you going to do? How, what kind of context or strategies would you employ? This goes against everything that I stand for as a person <laughs> that smashes every skeleton and hacks down every bush um, in video games and just always wants to ask why. But sometimes when you're trying to solve a mystery, and there's a time limit, you don't have to question every single person because you might not get to the end if Mm. you do. That might end up being a three, four, five shot if you try it that way. I think that is the biggest piece of advice that I can give. I think a secondary piece would be to pay attention to your game master because body language is very key sometimes in how they're portraying um, the villain. You might not know that it's the villain yet, but they're putting on their best villain face. Mm, and you just I like that. I like you just that. haven't gotten to that point yet. Yeah, yeah. So kind of try to metagame that a little bit, I guess. Hey, try to try to. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're role playing, like, I mean, at least for me, and this is because I prefer in in-person gaming, I know GMs that everything that they do when they're in the GM seat is the character that they're portraying. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes to find out who the villain is, you gotta, you gotta think like the villain. Yeah. I really, I really find that interesting advice. I, I, I also really like the first thing you said um, about not necessarily, you know, investigating everything. I think sometimes myself included, I can get into this kind of situation where I really, really want to know everything. I want to ask and turn every page of every book and make sure that I've like squeezed the juice out as much as possible. But that's not what, uh, that might be a path to solving the mystery, but it isn't necessarily the path to the most entertaining and engaging story for a mystery. And I think at the end of the day, for me anyway, I'm I'm looking as a player or a game master to kind of replicate that narrative pace that you might find in like a murder mystery or mm-hmm. in like some kind of movie, like a two-hour mystery solving movie. So if if you want to get that, you gotta kind of be a little faster and kind of jump on your gut a little bit. And even if you're taking a risk and it might be wrong, it it's worth it. I think, I don't know how you feel about that. No, absolutely. Risk taking should always be rewarded, whether it's a good or bad reward. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And then I liked the, the, the thing you said about the game master. I think the game master, I, I also sit at a very similar table and when I game master, I do my best to role play all of my NPCs and characters and things like that. So I 100% agree that maybe there's clues kind of in the delivery of the content and the way that the game master delivers it. But at the same time, and again, speaking from my experience, I find it can be very hard to run 
a mystery, especially when it isn't one that you've made yourself. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to transition a little bit into the Game Master hat now. One problem that I've always had when, I, when I've Game Mastered Mysteries, and granted I haven't run more than like I can hold in my hands, but whenever I run a mystery... Oftentimes it's in a module and the module has like, you know, certain locations with clues that are available to the players and certain NPCs with information available to the players. And I often get very bogged down as the game master trying to remember who is like what piece of the puzzle. So in my delivery, while I consider myself to be a pretty good role player and pretty good at like putting on character voices and stuff like that, the delivery tends to be lesser because i'm like mentally juggling like oh yeah which character is this and what piece of like what piece of the puzzle do they have to give to the players and i'm trying not to like confuse two different characters with one another so i i guess my my first question to you is do you have any advice for me <laughs> on on that and the second piece of that is any other general advice for listeners as as it relates to running mysteries and how maybe running a mystery game might be different from running a regular game yeah for sure you're gonna have to remind me the second slash third part of this question i can't um, do that <laughs> but for you specifically this sounds so silly um but when i was first starting I didn't have an arsenal of like silly character voices. I had this voice and then I could like make up a voice and then I would never be able to get back into it. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. <laughs> so I would write down on sticky notes, like very key characters. And I would legitimately just hold it up to say, I am X, Y, Z character. Yeah. Because I was, I was brand new at that time. You know, I had been DMing for maybe a month or so. Um, before I started, like, instead of looking up on the DMs Guild um, to get a module, starting to create my own. Um, and so to keep it all on track, I had my sticky notes. Um, and then I love the way modules read. Um, I, I am very, I would like all of the facts out in front of me, but then mm -hmm. writing notes, um, like, this is, let's say, Horus in... Um, a murder in Moss Bank. I need to know that Horace did XYZ thing, making a big star and just putting that right by Horace's name. So every yeah. time I'm looking at his bio and all of the information he holds, I know that Horace has this one thing that is key to his character. Um, That's really so good advice. I should do that. Like annotate the modules or whatever a little bit to absolutely to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's a good good advice. Um, and, and then I guess the second piece of this question is other general advice for game masters running mysteries. I, that, that's a solid one. Um, are there other things that you would say to somebody who's maybe has run or is looking to run a mystery game? How yeah. should they come differently if, if there are differences? So I have, I have two different mindsets for this. One that is one that you have written and then one that is pre-written. Um, and I'm gonna start with pre-written first. Okay. Um, my biggest piece of advice is you, you don't necessarily have to prep for the game because we all know that players are wild and they're going to do literally whatever they want when y'all start playing. 
Um, but be familiar with the module that you're going into. You know, don't be reading it for the first time 10 minutes before you start. Unless you are a very fast reader, one, and two, you can just take a concept and roll with it. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely, you know, run through it. Um, and on the DMs Guild, there's a nice little section um, that you can actually ask questions to the authors. Not every author is going to respond to your question. Um, but I get hard eyes when I get a review or a discussion, and I like to answer people. Um, and I assume that other people do too, because they are taking their their work that they worked hard on and putting mm -hmm. it on the internet for people to enjoy. Um, whereas if you're writing your own module or just your own adventure in general, and you want it to be a mystery, I love, 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 love including a timer um, and saying mm. the killer the person who did the thing that you're supposed to find is going to be at this location at this time and then making sure that you're updating or even maybe you have a timer in general and you're updating your players so they do feel the crunch so they do realize oh shucks we can't spend time opening up every single chest like we have got to move on because we know yeah. that xyz event is coming at this time and they don't they don't even have to know that the, what the event is. You can just say that you have to solve the mystery in three hours. And after three hours is up, this is done. Um, I really like that. And it's uh, an example of this that happened to me a long time ago now. Um, one, of my, one of my buddies, Chris, who used to be on the podcast with me. So for those of you listening, you, you'd recognize Chris. Um, he he ran, uh, it wasn't really positioned as a mystery, murder mystery type thing. But what ended up happening was a character was killed. And a, one of the NPCs in our little like faction got blamed for that death. And they got sentenced to death in three days. So it kind of created, like you said, this pressure crunch where... We all knew where this character had been and knew that they were innocent. So we had to figure this out in three in-game days. Otherwise, an innocent person who we all cared about was going to be getting blamed for it and getting killed. So I really like that. Putting this kind of crunch or timer to really incentivize the players to move. <laughs> because like, like we mentioned already, they're going to want to open up every little box if they have the opportunity to do so so giving them that extra push to say no no there is going to be something like a consequence or whatnot you mentioned meeting the killer that's kind of cool or meeting the 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 accused how how would you how would you run something like that do you have any examples of that yeah um players come face to face with insert killer name here redacted 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 um in murder in Mossbank. Um, they meet said person, hopefully, because they have followed enough of the clues. You don't have to, when you're, when you're playing in a murder mystery or just a mystery, technically, you don't have to get every clue if mm -hmm. it's well-written. Because there should be, you know, three to four ways for you to move on to the next clue to get to the end. You have royally messed up if you can't find at least one breadcrumb to get to where you're supposed to be. Um, but I, I love 
have giving the opportunity um, to face conflict over combat um, in my adventures. Um, that's something that I like personally when I'm playing. Um, that's also something that I really like when I'm doing game design. Um, so coming face to face with the big bad um, mm -hmm. is something that I always try to throw in. Um, really so just, you know, knowing at, at X, Y, Z o'clock, they're going to be at this location and all of the clues lead to this way. And unless these people are a box of rocks, they're going to get it. And knowing when to navigate, you know, some people, some people might not get it. And knowing how to play the big bad to say, oh no, you've caught me. And then the players are like, whoa, 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 wait up. What do you mean we've caught you? And then they're like, okay, our gears are turning. This yeah, is the yeah. big bad. This is who we've been after. That's cool. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and you, you said something that I want to circle back to because I think it's super important. Is that when you prepare, whether that be writing your own game or using using a module or whatnot, a mystery. Mysteries tend to have, in the tabletop RPG context, a lot more arrows than I think we one might expect pointing the players towards the right direction. And I think part of that is because players are going to create their own red herrings in a game, whether they're there or not. So throwing them yeah. into a game only makes it harder for them, right? So I, I think that, that that was one of the things that shocked me when I was reading some of my first mystery modules was like, wow, like everywhere they go is like such a really good lead. <laughs> and I, I was a little surprised, but then when I ran the game, I was like, okay, no, that's why that's there. <laughs> if that makes sense. Absolutely. No, yeah. I mean, the first time I play tested murder in Moss Bank, the, the dead person's mom was crying too much. And that was like, they were like, you killed her. You did it. It's like, mm. y'all, what? What? She is <laughs> crying right. because her daughter is dead. You are wild. <laughs> cool. So we talked about the Game Master hat. We talked about the player hat. We touched a little bit about the Game Designer hat. Is there any other things that you'd like to add for people listening, aspiring mystery game designers out there that things you've learned in the design of your of your mystery games that you would recommend people do if yeah yeah um okay game designer hat is on now um it's a top hat by the way nice um i start with the end in mind um i always think of this is the outcome or obviously every outcome is going to be vastly different um but this is the final scene that I want the party to arrive on, and then I work backwards. And then I take clues, and I, I try to take all of the clues that are going to end at the end scene, and I write them all at the same time. And then I just, I keep backtracking every time. Um, and I also think, this sounds so silly to say, but verbally reading everything aloud just to make sure that it makes sense before you try reading it aloud or playing it aloud in front of a group of people, I think is the biggest thing that I can mm. say. Um, because I <laughs> have been super silly before 
where I was writing adventure um, for Brandon and one of our pals, Liam. Sorry, I'm laughing because this is so silly. <laughs> I do this thing where if I'm writing something and I want to come back to it, I will just write words or we'll come back to this. I never came back to it because I did not read it <laughs> verbally aloud. So I get to this. I'm at the BBEG fight and I just have words written in front of me. And I'm like, I need to use oh, the restroom, no. y'all. I will be right back. <laughs> they did not have a very good conclusion because Jess was just like, holy poo, what do we do? Yeah, yeah, I could. I, I'd be freaking out in my, yes. in my hot seat. <laughs> Yes. Um, Thankfully, they were very understanding. um, But that's reading it out loud and working backwards um, are the biggest things that I can do. And also just creating quirky characters that your players are going to want to latch on to. I know as a player, when I had my player hat on, I said, don't latch on to every single thing. But it's as the game designer, you want to create you know, interesting characters that are really going to draw the players into your game um, and really engage in the story. Otherwise, I mean, y'all can solve a mystery in an hour. It's not going to be very fun, but you could do it. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And I'm really happy you you bring up characters because, you know, when you think of a mystery movie or, or anything like that, anyway, oftentimes your brain kind of goes to the characters and there's always like this game going on while you're sitting there watching like, Oh, who's, who is it? And you like bounce back between two or three different characters. Um, how important is that in the role-playing game context? Is it equally important? Is, is, are there distinctions there? I, I mean, I think we can agree that characters are important, whether it's a mystery game or not, but this, this idea of, kind of having some loose ends and uncertainty about which character might have been the the the, the killer or the, the the criminal or the thief or whatever how, how important is that game and how do you balance that that, that could be tricky oh that's a good question um <laughs> i always find it very important when i'm writing to have two people that half of the half of the group is going to say no it was this person and the other half of the group is going to say no it was that person and then i'm that special type of person that likes to make it not them (laughs) wow Um, that's that's, nice that's mean but awesome (laughs) um you don't have to introduce the the murderer or the bad person in the beginning of or even in the middle of the adventure it can be someone completely different that they just had the teeniest tiniest breadcrumbs to where they would really have to be on their a game to find them i mean it's your adventure mm-hmm. you can literally do whatever you want um and if you're i don't know if the people that you're running the game for are mad at the end i think that you've done a good job because okay. they they and i say this with with a twist on it. They should yeah. be mad because they weren't able to find out and latch onto it sooner. That yes. doesn't mean okay. that there should be no breadcrumbs leading up to that point. Um, yeah, because you, just... you definitely want them to have like, oh, 
like a like a aha, you know. The, I, I messed up. I yeah. could have gotten there, but I had to open doors one through five instead of just going on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. So does that does that make yeah, sense? I don't want my players to be mad just to be mad. I want them to be like, oh, I could have played this better and I could have found out. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And you know, that creates perhaps, I mean, maybe not exactly replayability, but it, it especially if they don't really make it to the end, might incentivize them to try again and and explore a different a different avenue if you will um i yeah i do like that because i i think it's pretty important to have these breadcrumbs for sure because you want them to exist you want the players to if if they follow the right breadcrumbs they figure out the mystery but sometimes figuring it out isn't the most satisfying thing. Sometimes it's like going along with the ride and, and taking part in the, in the narrative and like ebbing and flowing through it to get to the end, figuring out who, who is responsible for whatever solving the mystery. And then I think what's the most important piece for me is being able to backtrack, being able to be like, Oh, now I get it. That, that clue would have pointed us to that book mm -hmm. would have pointed us to the library. And then the library would have pointed us to the secret passage underneath that had the cloak that this guy's wearing. And now uh, that he's the best, you know, something like that. I completely agree. Sometimes the best part. And I know for as like a game designer or a GM, I know for me running it when the players want to know, because obviously I want to spill the secrets as soon as it's over. But when they ask, oh my gosh, no better feeling. Yeah. I mean, there are, but <laughs> not a lot. Um, when they want to to backtrack and say, what did we miss? How could we have gotten here, you know, more efficiently or more effectively? Oh, what a good yeah. feeling. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling for sure. It reminds me of, I mean, it's not a tabletop role-playing game, but it reminds me of the game, that, like the Sherlock mystery games. I don't know if you've played any of those. They're like an Osmonde, I think they're Osmonde. They're like uh, mystery books. Like they're you buy the quote unquote like choose board your game. own adventure. Not not exactly choose your own adventure, but kind of where okay. you play with a group of people. You have this box with like ten different mysteries in it, and like you open it up and you read the first page, and it's like the whole setup. And then you have like a little um, phone book that comes with the book with the game, and you have different different maps and newspaper articles that you can like leaf through to find leads and then you end up picking locations to go to and so it's kind of like choose your own adventure where you based on the intelligence you've gathered and the setup you can be like oh we're gonna go see the locksmith and you open up the phone book and oh the locksmith is at b6 and then you flip through the book to find b6 and then there's an entry so you do that several times until you feel confident enough in your you know solution if you will and then you go to the end and you read the solution where Sherlock tells you like, this cool. is who did it. And this is why. And you can decide whether or not you are like on the right track. Um, wow. I love that. It's really fun. It's really, really cool. Uh, my, my mystery games stop at like escape rooms and clue. And now I feel like I just, I need to add more. Yeah, do it. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll link it up in the show notes. And after the show, I'll show you what it is. You know what? I'll, I'll look it up right now. Apologies oh, yeah. for the clicking, guys. But 
<laughs> it's a cool it's a cool board game uh i now i and i also forget where i was going with that uh sleuthing that's that's what i've got you've got to you we want people to be able to sleuth yes we in want people reverse. to be able to sleuth in reverse yes yes yes, yes. um I found it. It's called Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, The Thames Murders and Other Cases. And then there are several, uh, there are several expansions. One of them is like you're solving the Jack the Ripper cases, which is super Ooh. cool. So if you already know about Jack the Ripper and you've like researched it all, it won't be very fun because you'll know everything about it. But if you know, you kind of heard of who Jack the Ripper is and you kind of sort of know what's going on. It's so fun to live through that and try to quote unquote uh, solve it. But yeah, I, I highly recommend. All right. Yeah. So one thing that came to mind too, well, while I was talking about rambling about this was locations, right? Like I feel like a big part of mysteries and, and games that have mysteries in them is kind of like this atmospheric setting, different locations to go explore. So I guess my question to you, Jess, is how important do you feel like it is to have kind of that atmosphere, that very, you, you know, stereotypical mystery vibe of the old abandoned house with the smoke and stuff? Or, or is that kind of superfluous and you can kind of do without it? And I'd like to hear your, uh, wow. your, your take on that. I have missed out on having the old abandoned home. <laughs> uh, coming soon to a DM's guild near you, Jess Wade writes a murder <laughs> mystery with an abandoned home. Dang. Dang. Yeah, you gotta uh, have it like. <laughs> woof. I'll work I, on that with you. We can we can create a. We'll do a collab. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> um, shucks, I've written three and none of them have that. Uh, I mean, I, I was I was using that as kind of like a placeholder for all spooky foggy scary type locations but <laughs> no um i don't include that when i tell you that i like puns i like puns i don't do the like spooky vibes i do the we're here to solve a mystery and we're also going to have fun while we do it that you know um, i mean i like that that answers my question and, and that was kind of where where i thought that's what I thought too. Like you don't need to be spooky no. to have a mystery. You don't need to have that that kind of ambience. But uh, yeah, so I'm glad we agree. I'm glad. We yeah, agree. <laughs> I will say when it comes to locations, it can be difficult to keep your players wrangled um, if you're in like a huge city or a huge town. Um, mm. So making sure that they know in advance. These are the places that you want to go um, because these are the key NPCs or, you know, the key locations that have clues. Um, and you can do that by shutting down half the town because people are sad that someone just died or there's a murderer on the loose. You can have an event that people are going to so they're not at their shops. Like there are a lot of different ways that without trying to railroad your your team you can yeah. kind of still wrangle them in so they're not like going a to z to all of the businesses and not getting all of the key clues 
Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And I'm happy you brought us there because I probably wouldn't have gone there. But yeah, I love that. Like, I, I, I wouldn't have thought to go there is what I should well, say. Well, so but that's when that you started here. talking about location, that's where I thought you were going. And then you were like, <laughs> do you make your game spooky? And I was like, no. <laughs> that's not what I, yeah. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad you brought it here because this is an even more interesting topic. Um, And I love, I love what you're saying because you're 100% right. You... If you leave them with a sandbox that's too big, they're gonna go everywhere. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna kind of like drown themselves in the options that are available to them. I, and and I mean, I've oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and that's that's not fun for you as a GM because you want them to, you know, get the clues to solve the mystery, and that's not fun for them either because they're like, why the heck am I talking to Joe Schmo? Like they are just a, a schmuck. I don't need to be talking to them. They're not giving me anything. Um, so I think, you know, having those guardrails in place um, is mm -hmm. going to make it a happier game for everyone involved. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I mean, one of the strategies I've done, I guess, without knowing that I've been doing it, is I've I given my players grocery lists of places. Or, you know, sometimes it's like a handout of like a really crudely drawn map with like four or five, like, there's the church and oh that's the blacksmith and oh that's and over here by the river that's the murder location like you know like have the the really big ones stand out with everything else just being like dysonized hash marks and stuff so and and i mean maybe this is my my plug of the episode to encourage folks listening to go check out maybe tabletop rpg systems that you know, are perhaps more suited for mysteries. Not to say that D&D isn't. There's definitely... Okay, maybe Jess can have something to say about that. Oh, but, no. <laughs> oh, but, geez. But there, there's, there's, there's some systems out there that, I mean, Call of Cthulhu, for all of its faults, every module that you buy is literally called an investigation. Like, it's not called an adventure module, it's called an investigation module. So... <laughs> that in itself tells you how the game is going to play out and the characters that you build there's so many of the skills in the call of cthulhu system that are that revolve around like persuading or talking or fast talking or like charming somebody to get information or looking up things in a library or in like an occult book or like things like this so Anyway, there are there are systems like that one or or the bubble gumshoe system is a really fun simple one. It's very simple. It's it reminds me a lot of uh, kids on bikes where it's you know you play like these young detectives going around solving mysteries. So anyway, I that's my plug for maybe consider other other mystery systems if you want to run a one shot or something like that. But Jess, you had you you made a face when I said that D and D might not be the best system for running mysteries i, I want to see <laughs> <laughs> um have i looked into any other systems to write and or play no but there is a reason that when i write murder mysteries for dnd that it is low level because as your characters get beefed mm. up they get things like detect magic or literally anything speak with the dead like there are so many ways that a player can just ruin <laughs> what you have written once they get to you know a a higher level um and so keeping it in lower levels is what i've found to be ideal because they're still babies 
They yeah. don't have all of these mystery breaking things that they can employ. So yeah, that was my first thought when you were saying that. <laughs> well, you know, you're right. And I mean, even at first level, I find charm person to be so incredibly powerful of a spell that like, if if the roles are in their favor, like that can be mystery breaking. Uh, anyway, yeah, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we see eye Same to page. eye on that. Yeah. Um. All right. Cool. So I mean, we talked about some systems that maybe I mean, I like using for mysteries. What about just like in general? What are your some some of your favorite mysteries? Whether that be in media or in in role playing games, maybe your favorite mystery you've written. I'd like to I'd like to poke your brain and and see your favorite mysteries. Maybe some kind of things that you use as inspiration when planning to write or prepare a mystery game, stuff like that. Yeah, um, Clue is my favorite board game. Um, I get down with Clue. Um, and I get down with it in the way where if you're not paying attention to the other people that are playing, then you're missing out on clues, um, even when it's not your turn. Um, and so I think I write characters that, you know, their body language or how they speak, I, I try to like write that in. So you have to be paying attention to everything. Mm. Um, and you... You might not be able to, and that's okay. You're still going to find clues, but if you are paying attention, you might, you know, grab something that maybe the person sitting to your left or right isn't grabbing. Gone Girl was so good. Um, And that, not even like the end reveal, but so many of the things coming up to it, um, and then the middle reveal, and just all of it was so well done. Um, so I draw a little bit of inspiration from that. I guess I was raised on like the goofiness of Scooby-Doo and that's probably why you see so many gosh darn puns, um, in my mysteries. So I don't know, just a lot. I mean, there are even some things I would say that like aren't mysteries that have probably inspired me, you know, in my mystery writing. Can I think of any of them now? And no, I cannot. Um, but if I do, I will put it as a comment on the podcast episode. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But you bring up a very good point. You know, you don't necessarily need to have mysteries be the thing that inspire your mysteries. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a comedy or like uh, lately, and I've said it a couple times before on the show, so I don't want to bore bore the listeners too much, but I've been watching so much reality TV on my own, like garbage reality TV, oh, like no. romance, like bachelor style, like Love Island and stuff. And <laughs> I get so much inspiration from those people and their ridiculousness. Like, uh, anyway, uh, no, all that to I say, mean, I love that. Those are. They are literal characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I love that. And next time I watch Bachelor in Paradise, maybe you <laughs> might catch me writing some things down. Yeah, you know, Bachelor murdered in Paradise. Boom, Ooh. next mystery. In the haunted house. Let's go. Wow. That's... Wow. Writing that one down. Yeah, it's been said on the podcast now, so people can't steal our idea. It's ours. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, okay, cool. And what about your 
your babies, your your adventures. Which one, if you had to pick your favorite child, which one would it be and why? Uh, I mean, definitely Murder in Moss Bank. And that's not because I'm looking at a um, note on my phone of potential follow-up <laughs> Murder in Moss Banks. Um, I do have a, fir- I have a first um, and then I have a second that actually has quite a few Easter eggs um, that tie into the first book or into cool. the first module um, because it happens about a year after um, the ep- or the events of the first, but you don't have to have played the first one to enjoy the second one. Awesome. Um, but yeah, definitely Murder in Mossbank. Partially because it's been so well received um, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback from a lot of folks from it. And partially because this was the one that just it I don't want to say that it started at all for me because it didn't Um, technically. Gosh, that would be Matt Damon's deal, which is about a demon named Matt Damon. (laughs) When I say that all of these are puns, I'm not joking. Um, but that was Matt Damon's deal was my first. Uh, Murder in Moss Bank was my second. And that's just when I was like, wow, I love this. This is cool. a lot of fun. Um, and just exploring the town. Um, you know, I, I had such a small area that folks could explore in the first Murder in Moss Bank. And then I expanded that um, into the second one. And my partner and I go on hikes sometimes. And sometimes we'll just think of like goofy things to add to that if I were to ever write a third. Um, so yeah, that one's my baby for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it sounds, it sounds exciting. It sounds like you're passionate about it too, which is great. Like that's, that's when the content, not that you weren't passionate about Matt Damon, the the demon, but <laughs> that you know that that's when it you really see it in the content. So that that's awesome. That's awesome. So folks, sure. go check it out. Go buy Murder in Moss Bank. And I love that you pointed Halloween. to the camera, which is just at it's me. just me and you. It's it's a bad habit. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> um. All right. Cool. Well, I mean, I'm looking at the clock. I think we've been talking about mysteries for for a good while now. Before we start to wrap up the show, Jess, was there any parting words of wisdom that you have for the listeners about mysteries? It could be you kind of like summarizing something that you've already mentioned, or it could be like maybe this is an opportunity for you to say something that you didn't get a chance to to say and that I uh, never brought the conversation towards it. Parting words about mysteries, final thoughts. Oh boy. Um, anything can be a mystery if you don't give them the full details. <laughs> I And I mean that with full sincerity. Um, yeah. You know, it could be, I don't know, CZQ lost her rabbit and she is devastated, but it, it she didn't actually lose it. Someone stole it because they're trying to get back at CZQ's parents and now they have to figure out, you know, where to get that rabbit from, but also why are they trying to get back at the parents? Is there blood magic involved? Did they steal diamonds? I mean, you can, that was, that was super silly. It doesn't have to be silly, but anything can be a mystery if you put your mind to it. I like that. I like that. And you know what? I like that like coding of a little mystery that actually opens the light into a bigger mystery 
I, I think that that's a really good formula for people to tr inspire themselves from. Um, Absolutely. Just remember, yeah. work backwards. Work backwards and eventually you will be at the start and you'll be able to run it. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. If I can try to do the thing that's always the hardest to do and like summarize the entire episode in addition well, to what Jess just said now, some of the big takeaways I think were as a player, have fun, take risks, just go with it. Don't explore everything. You might want to, but like move the story along and you'll be rewarded for it, I think. In the Game Master hat, prepare your characters, prepare your modules, prepare in a way that makes it easy for you to run, easy for the mysteries and the, like the clues for each character, make it evident. Uh, we talked about making sure that the sandbox isn't too big, making sure that you, you know, you railroad a little bit for the sake of the pace and the sake of like the duration of the adventure. You don't want it to drag on forever. I mean, maybe you do, but if you don't want it to drag on forever, giving your players specific options can be helpful. Like you mentioned, Jess, work backwards, write backwards. Anything can be a mystery. I love that. That's like, that's gold. And I think that's everything. Was there, is there anything I'm missing, Jess? I can't remember what I had for breakfast. <laughs> you can't ask me to summarize an hour-long conversation, but I think you did an A-plus job. Thank you. It's always the hardest part of the show, if I'm being completely honest. Um, all right. Wonderful. Well, Jess, thank you for being here to talk to me and the listeners about mysteries. Why don't you let everybody know where they can go buy Murder in Moss Bank and the rest of your content, and also where they can watch your charity streams, where they can find you on socials, everything. Woof. Um, okay, y'all, you can go to DMs Guild um, and search Jess Wade. It's J-E-S, um, no two S's, just one S. There's, oh, I don't know, like eight or so. Um, some of them are murder mysteries. Some of them are just goofy little things. I'm actually looking at a wrestling wizard's favor, which is kind of a mystery about wizards that wrestle um it's a goofy one nice. <laughs> anyway um if you go to my twitter you can find most of my stuff uh that's just the human again j-e-s and then t-h-e-h-u-m-a-n i just got a little nervous that i wasn't going to be able to spell that oh boy it has been a day um you can well, find just all in case stuff. there's a spelling mistake in there i'll plug everything in the show no it's in the show notes Bless. For the podcast. you're a good human it'll be there <laughs> I'm sorry, um, I interrupted you. Please keep No, going. no, you're fine. Um, my Twitter has like all of the things that I do, including Fang Gang Podcast. Um, it also talks about um, when I have charity streams coming up. Um, I, I think that the ones that I'm doing, you know, on Friday and Saturday are going to be passed by the time this goes up. Um, but you can always find me on Twitch um, and check out the VODs. Um, again, just the human. There is a theme here. But... If y'all like looking at pictures of food, you can go to Instagram and you can go to <laughs> Jess the Foodie, again, J-E-S, um, and you can look at vegan food photos. Uh, other than that, I don't know, invite me to your charity streams or to your one shots or your mysteries so I can be a silly little PC and uh, not go off the rails, but be pretty darn close to it. Awesome. And that's me. Well 
Yeah. Thank thank you, Jess. I look forward to exploring your adventures a little more, maybe running Murder and Moss Bank and my next uh, Halloween game, if I can squeeze one in between now and, and Halloween. And otherwise, listeners, I hope this gave you some inspiration to run a mystery game, whether it's for Halloween or not. There's a lot of fun to be had in a mystery adventure. And I hope the insights we shared with you today have been practical and useful. If they are, you can always reach out to me. You can contact me at Twitter on Twitter, on Twitter at roll underscore play underscore chat. And if you don't want to be limited to a character limit, you can email me at contact roleplaychat at gmail.com. And yeah, thank you, Jess, for being here. This has been a super helpful conversation. I know I've learned a lot, so I can't wait to use some of your strategies in an upcoming game uh, of mine. So thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Um, So thanks. Yeah, thank you. And with that, let's call it a chat.